And a very good evening from Damien O'Mara. You're welcome to the Thursday edition of Game On. Busy programme to come, as always, between now and 7 o'clock. Shortly, we will be hearing from Limerick's Dan Morrissey as the... Uh, PWC GA GPA All-Stars are named the hurling team out this morning. Limerick unsurprisingly dominating that. We'll hear from him in just a moment in advance of the weekend's AIB Club Leinster Camogie final. Uh, Dixborough and Kilkenny captain Aoife Prendergast will join us. She's uh, going to wear a body cam for the weekend to bring you that little bit closer to the action and maybe give us a bit of insight into the reality of the cut and trust of uh, life as a Camogie player. Jack Cavanaugh will join us. He's a man with a very, very inspirational story. Uh, he He's getting behind the uh, Get Ireland Active database. He'll be chatting to us about that and much more. And we will finish the programme this evening in the company of Shep, who will bring us uh, some of the big sports stories of the week from the States. We'd love for you to get involved in the conversation. You can text us. Our number is 51552, or you can find us on social media at Game on 2 fm on 2FM. So it's good to have your company. Thank you very much for uh, being with us this evening. Busy evening of sport. We'll uh, check in and chat to Dan in just a couple of minutes' time. But the FAI are uh, making the headlines again this evening. The association has vowed to learn lessons in relation to payments which were made to Chief Executive Jonathan Hill. It's also pledged to find a solution to its requirement to have 40% female representation on its board. A Sport Ireland commissioned audit identified that the FAI CEO uh, received payments which were made to him in lieu of holidays not taken and expenses related to commuting from the UK but were agreed above uh, the agreed limit which was set out in the Memorandum of Understanding between the government and the FAI which led to the association's bailout in 2020. He has agreed to repay that sum. Uh, the association obviously made the headlines recently with its EGM regarding female representation to its board. The required 75% majority to pass a proposal to make a constitutional change which would allow the addition of two females to the board was not reached when it was put before uh, delegates at the association. The board and the executive have uh, vowed to find a solution that will allow it to reach that requirement. Obviously, that has a significant impact on the FAI's funding. Elsewhere in soccer, James McLean has been drafted into the Irish squad in advance uh, of their game against the Netherlands in Amsterdam on Saturday, that Euro 2024 qualifier. Uh, he's due to retire after next week's friendly against New Zealand. He comes in after both Will Smallbone and Feste Ebozele were ruled out through injury. And in rugby, as we discussed on the programme recently, Munster Rugby and the IRFU have confirmed the signing of Ali Yeager from the Crusaders with the tight head prop signing a contract with the province until the summer of 2027. Much to come on the programme we're going to begin tonight with Hurling. Game on. Hurling. And as mentioned at the outset of the programme the uh, PWC uh, GA GPA All-Stars were uh, unveiled this morning. The Hurling team unsurprisingly Limerick absolutely dominating the team with uh, 7 of the 15 selected uh, with obviously history for uh, the squad this year with their four in a row. I'm delighted to say that now a three-time uh, All-Star winner joins us. Dan Morris, he's with us. Dan, evening to you. Hi, Damien. How are you? Not thanks too bad. For inviting me on. Well, no, listen, thanks for thanks for obliging us as well. Um, it, uh, just to remind people that the uh, awards themselves take place uh, in the RDS um, this weekend and people can watch it unfold on RT television from half past seven. So uh, the hurling team unveiled this morning. In an era where you've achieved so much as a team, and I know the focus is very much on the collective, there's a very important place for these awards and, and you cherish each of these that comes your way, no doubt. 
Ah, yeah, for sure. Um, and look, I suppose at the start of the year, you do set out on, on winning the All Ireland. That's your that's your ultimate goal. But but these All Star awards, um, look, I suppose growing up, you would have always watched the All Stars on TV and always wondered someday could you could you get there? So uh, no, as you say, they're definitely not to be taken for granted. They're they're very hard fought, and it's uh, I suppose it's a it's a great honour to be to be named on on a team with such a caliber of players next to. Mm. We had Brian Fenton on the programme last night and, and he was talking about the fact that, you know, Dublin, they're still rejoicing in the success in July and it's one eye on the team holiday, which is is coming up. I know, obviously, you've been back to club action since, but can you do you give yourself a time or can you allow yourself a time to reflect on the year that's been, the scale of that achievement and just this phenomenal and hard-fought run of, that, run of success that you've been on in recent years? Yeah, I suppose the last few weeks now, most lads are kind of finished with the club, I suppose, three, four weeks nearly at this stage. And uh, we're actually just back from the team holiday ourselves. So, um, yeah, I suppose the last few weeks and even for the next few weeks is the perfect opportunity to kind of look back on, on what we achieved over the year. And um, I suppose, yeah, in, enjoy it because you do all the hard training for, for winning the matches to, to enjoy them afterwards. There's no point thinking about the next season straight away. You have to be able to enjoy yeah, your successes, and in fairness, the last few years we've we definitely have enjoyed every single one of them, and everyone is just as sweet as the next. So, no, we'll definitely uh, continue enjoying. It. I know we'll probably be back training the next couple of weeks or so, but uh, um, no, we'll, we we have enjoyed it, and we'll continue to enjoy it for another few weeks and months. Was there a different pressure internally this year because it was the opportunity to win, you know, the, the four in a row and make that piece of history? I don't think so, to be honest. Um, like every year brings its own different pressures. Like every year, there's different teams that want to knock you off your perch, whether you're going for two in a row, three in a row, four in a row. So I know it's a bit of a cliche that you, you take every match as it comes, but in reality, that's the way we do. You can't look past Munster the way it's so competitive. Um, like look, this year, sure, we, we struggled to, to get through out of Munster. Um, so I wouldn't say that it was more pressure this year than last year. There will be more pressure next year than this year. Every every year is different and you just have to treat every year in isolation as well. But you quietened a lot of people this year because there were plenty at the start of the year were queuing up to question if this team could get to the level they'd been at and if the, the standards had fallen off. Yeah, so people are very quick to question. Even I think it was a kind of during the COVID years when we had a couple of bad league campaigns, people thought we were that was the end of us and we turned it around when it, when it came to championship but like the season's so long now between league your Munster campaign and All-Ireland it's very hard to keep the consistency going for without having a, a bad game or two throughout the whole season so I don't know I, yeah, I suppose media and other people can be very quick to to, to change tack and, and write you off maybe after a, a couple of average performances but um, yeah thankfully I suppose we as I say we squeezed through out of Munster and Thankfully, we kind of left the, the best to, to Crow Park. Did you believe in 2018 when you made that breakthrough that this level of success was in the offing? Like, or has it even taken you by surprise and the collective by surprise just how much you've managed to dominate this, dominate a massively competitive sport in the last couple of seasons? Yeah, it, it has taken me by surprise probably that we won five. Like, I, I, when we won in 2018... I think we all knew we had a very good team, a very young team, great management set up. But did we think we'd win, say, five of the next six All-Irelands? Um, pro- probably not. Um, especially given the, the calibre of teams there at the moment. Like, there is 
there's six, seven, eight top quality sides in the country at the moment. Um, so yeah, at the end of 18, we were just delighted to win one and I'm probably hoping maybe to, to add a second, but to, to have now won five is a, is a bit surreal. But look, we'll, we'll push on and hopefully there, there could be another couple left in us yet. How, yeah, how do you manage to maintain that level of hunger and just that level of intensity that's required to come out on top each year? Yeah, I find it, to be honest, when, when you're winning, it's it's easier to keep that hunger going compared to if you were going out and you didn't think you were in the top three or four teams every year. It's a lot harder to motivate yourself then to go back in December, January in the in the rain and the cold to do your pre-season. Whereas for us, I suppose, coming back whenever we do go back training in the next few weeks, it's a lot easier to motivate yourself when you know you're in with good chances of winning medals and winning Munster and All-Ireland titles. So... In terms of motivation on the panel, I don't think there's going to be a shortage definitely for the year coming. And in particular, I suppose you always have new lads coming to the panel and pushing you as well. So mm. no one can get complacent. But Do, do you talk mm. about the prospect of making history? Like, is, is that a motivator in itself? Or, or do you genuinely approach it with a sense of 2023 is going to be consigned to history at some stage and you, you hand it all back and try to win it all over again? Yeah, that's the approach uh, I kind of take personally anyway. Like every person you meet on the side of the street probably mentions the five in a row. But uh, look, for, for us as a team, you just have to take every year as it comes. Um, and we'll just treat next year as if we're just going for one in a row. And we're not going to be talking about five in a row at all. Um, but look, yeah, it's obviously hard to avoid that talk because everyone you meet mentions the five in a row and history being created. But uh Look, we know there's going to be teams that, that want to stop us, so it's it's not going to be easy, that's for sure. Yeah, um, there's a lot of chat, like, and obviously the, the close season allows it to, to take place in maybe the vacuum of competitive inter-county action. Where is the game of hurling at? I think it's in a fairly good position. Um, look, I know, I suppose people can argue when there was that thing... Um, released last week about say five five counties not playing in the league next year um, and I suppose look promotion probably some of the weaker counties and smaller counties promotion of hurling could definitely be improved and there definitely could be more investment made in those but I think in terms of the the Lee McCarthy teams I think it's a very competitive competition the last the last number of years um, the the number of counties with a realistic um expectation to win the All-Ireland uh, has probably never been as high um, there's been some great matches the skill level is at an all-time high fitness levels are at an all-time high so in that regard I think the Harlan is, is in a great place mm. um, but look yeah then there's obviously look in an ideal world you'd love to have 32 counties all competing for, for top honours um, I don't know if it'll ever get to a place like that but yeah, look, this promotion in, in probably some hurling counties could definitely uh, could definitely be improved, and it would be great to see more teams competing at the at the top level. Because isn't that the challenge? Like you know, you you grew up watching Limerick teams of the past, and probably hearing stories of the Mackies and everything that they had achieved around Ahan and the club. And th- there is that danger if you don't have a senior intercounty team competing at a you know a prominently seen level. You know who's going to inspire the next generation? I know that can kind of sound a bit cliched, but that that's the reality, really, isn't it? No, that's that's a hundred percent true. Yeah, like I think more promotion needs to go into the McDonough Cups, the Christie Rings, all those competitions because I suppose lads at those levels are training just as hard as as lads at the top level. And as you say, if you're 
a young lad growing up in in Leitrim or Sligo and, and Hurland's your number one sport. Um, you you want to you want to see your uh, your adult team in your county. You want to be able to see them on TV. So the more coverage they can get, the more investment they can get. Mm. Um, if they don't get that investment, like those counties are just going to follow fall away. Before I let you go, you, you mentioned the team holiday. You know, I know the focus will very very quickly turn to. Um, what's going to come in the new year and the, listen I know you don't want to be reminded about the drive for five but that chat will intensify again but you have another big project on the way the Warriors for Humanity which is uh, something I know is very very close to your heart Yeah uh, heading to Kenya there now on Saturday so it will be an early start an, er- well, an, an early finish for me tomorrow night after the All-Stars and heading away Saturday morning then there's um, yeah 50 inter-county players between hurling football ladies football camogie um, heading to Kenya for the week as part of the Warriors for Humanity project to help plant one million trees uh, across Africa. Um, so this is the second year it's been running. Last year was the first year. Um, so I'm no, really looking forward to it. Uh, there's a good crew going over. Most of them are heading over uh, tomorrow, but I'm obviously waiting around for the All-Stars and heading over Saturday morning. And, and uh, presume, presumably the hurls and slitters go with you and you're, you, know, you, you try to bring the game of hurling to a part of the world that's never been seen before. Yeah, that's it. We're playing an exhibition hurling match. I think it's going to be half hurling, half football, and we're playing a soccer game against one of the local uh, teams over there as well. So... Yeah, there's a look. There's obviously a, the important part of it is planting trees, helping helping climate change. Um, I suppose look helping everyone everyone out there. But at the same time, experiencing the culture, enjoying ourselves, and uh, yeah, no, just really looking forward to it now. Before I let you go, how special a night is tomorrow in the RDS? Because it's I know like obviously you've you know fellows will have gone to college with lads from other counties, but it's such a limited opportunity for people from the four corners of the country to be in one room hurling and football and just in a social setting and exchange stories and catch up yeah it's uh, look I, I suppose, I've actually only been to one All-Stars a night in 2018 because then with the COVID years there wasn't any banquet or anything like that so look I suppose it's a special occasion particularly with Tom getting the, an award as well um, it's a big occasion for the family and, and the club um, but yeah it's nice to like look I would have played I would have played with a lot of Claire Kilkenny tip lads in the UL and down in UCC as well so um, yeah it's not often I suppose you get a chance to, to sit down and chat and have a drink with them you're usually just on the field uh, hitting each other but um, no look it's and it's similar with the trip to Kenya there's going to be 50 Intercounty players across the four codes, and I suppose it's a chance really to to talk to people from other counties, see the type of training they're doing, and I suppose how they balance work, training, and all the other commitments that go with being an intercounty player. Listen, we wish you well. Enjoy the night tomorrow night. You'll be behaving yourself, obviously, with that early start on Saturday. Um, Dan, congratulations on a great year. Good luck for twenty twenty four, and thanks so much for being with us on the program. Thanks very much. That's Dan Thank Mar- you. That's uh, Dan Morrissey, Limerick Hurler, with us there, who was included uh, in the PWC GAA GPA Hurling Team of the Year from the All-Stars um, this morning. And a reminder, you can watch that programme, the PWC All-Stars, tomorrow night in RT television uh, from half past seven. We're going to stick with Gaelic Games, switch attention to Camogie after the break. Stay with us. Game on. 
2FM. And you're very welcome back to the programme. Uh, now, would you like to head along to Tallis Stadium this uh, Sunday to watch the Sports Direct Women's FAI Cup Final? It features Shelburne and at Lone Town. Uh, we have a pair of tickets to give away on the programme tonight. And to be with a chance to win, all you have to do is answer this very, very simple question. Which team are the current holders of the Women's FAI Cup. So we want you to text your answer, followed by your name, your county and your email address to 51552 and we will announce the lucky winner before the end of the programme. As always, terms and conditions apply and you can see those on 2fm.ie. So, Shelburne against Atlone Town, which team are the current holders of the Women's FAI Cup final? Am I allowed to give a clue? This year's final is a repeat of last year's final. That's as much as I'm going to narrow it down. So your name, your county and your email address to 51552 and we will announce the winner of that competition before the end of the programme. Game on. Camogie. So we are well and truly into the business end of the uh, club season and the AIB club championships ongoing across all codes and our focus for the next while is going to be on the uh, Leinster club final which takes place this weekend and it pits uh, Dixborough of Kilkenny against St Vincent's of Dublin and delighted to say that Dixborough's Aoife Prendergast is uh, with me. Aoife, how are you? Hi, Damien. How are you? Not too bad. Thanks for being with us. Um, on, on what's a really busy week, can you? how are you in terms of um, the nerves and the anticipation in a week like this? Is it agonising to wait or can you just relax and taper into it as if it was any other game? Hi, yeah, look, you're trying to keep yourself busy and uh, not focus too much on the match. We'll save that for Saturday and Sunday. But uh, look, you have to enjoy these moments too. Um, it's great to be still playing with your club this time of year. And Kilkenny have dominated this competition, but it's a big challenge. It's a big carrot for Dixborough to try and win Leinster and then progress on to, hopefully, in, in your mind, an All-Ireland title. Yeah, look, um, St Vincent's are reigning champions, so uh, they'll be going for the weekend now, but so we'll have to be on our A-game. But, yeah, looking forward to it now. There's great spirit around the camp and great atmosphere around Dixborough. Yeah, good stuff. Now you, you're in part. You're taking part in a fairly interesting initiative, and AIB, to their credit, um, have done a lot in recent years to try and promote the club game. So you've, in addition to the hurl, you've an, you've an additional piece of equipment to worry about this weekend. G- explain to us what it is you're taking on. Yes, yeah, so um, I'm wearing a body cam at the weekend, so it's going to be a, a player cam. So it's going to be kind of similar to a GPS, and there's going to be a player, and it's going to be from the view of the player. There's going to be a camera, sorry, and it's going to be out from the, the view of the player ourselves. So, uh, what we see on the pitch. Um, so, the content is going to be quite interesting for ourselves and I'm sure viewers as well. You're going to have to be careful now squaring up to people. Yeah, I know, yeah. I'll have to be careful of what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. So, the, the two Johnnies, I don't know if you, if you were listening to them, they were all excited about this yeah. and they had it in their head that maybe this might go out live. So, you can rest assured it's all going to be edited and released in the, the coming weeks. So, you don't have to worry about... You, you, you don't have to get... You can get caught up in the emotion of it all at the weekend. Yeah, that's it, exactly. Um, we done a test shoot actually there a few weeks ago and it's nearly nerve, more nerve-wracking getting it put on than it is wearing it itself. Um you kind of just forget about it, yeah. to be honest, when you go out onto the pitch and you just play your game as normal. So uh, there's no there's no secrets going to be given away or anything. Yeah. it's. I presume the way technology is now, like the GPS units, you'd hardly notice they were there. So I presume this isn't restrictive, that it's you can play your game, you know, not with this yeah, making too it, much exactly. of an impact on you. Yeah, it's actually similar to a GPS. So it's like a vest, except there's a hole in my jersey and the camera's just going out through that. So you actually wouldn't even notice it at all. Um, it won't affect your game or anything. 
Uh, to be honest, it's actually nearly more comfortable than a GPS um, in terms of it's not pulling at your jersey or anything. So. Yeah. So, yeah, you wouldn't even notice it's on. Yeah. So this is going to give this is going to give people the perspective of yeah. what it's like for you on match day. And I'm wondering, will it surprise people in terms of bringing them literally within inches of the talent that exists within this game and the level of intensity? Which I often wonder when people fawn over hurling in particular and the physicality. Do they fully appreciate that? Okay, it's a slightly different game, but it's the exact same level of commitment. It's the exact same level of skill that we see at the elite end in Camogie. Yeah, um, I'm hoping anyway I'll, I'll showcase some of that skill anyway and yeah, that's what we want to do. We want to capture some footage um, from Komogi itself and show the skill and physicality of the game and it is equal to our male counterparts as well so it'd be interesting to see that. And it's so important for the promotion of the game as well because presumably these are the type of things that can be clipped up and can go viral on social media for the right reasons you would hope. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And uh, for AIB to choose Camogie as as the the, the first um, test of it, um, it will definitely bring a bit of coverage to the sport, which is great. Yeah, how important is that? Because there's obviously so much focus of late on the issues of integration and where ladies Gaelic football and Camogie in particular fit into the overall promotion and you know visibility of Gaelic games. Yeah, look, so this is this is a new piece of technology and, you know, everyone's so interested in technology these days that it might even bring a few more viewers to our game or even if they view this this um, footage and maybe they might gain an interest in it and hopefully it will show the skill and physicality of the game. Do you think Kamogi gets enough positive coverage? Um, look, it is, it's going in the right direction anyway, but um, it can definitely be improved. Um so, yeah, we just hope to continue to develop this, but it is on the right track, but we yeah. need to just... Because uh, you, you know, you know where I'm coming from. Like, I, I, we, there would be criticism that there's disproportionate coverage given to clashes for teams when you've got you know hurling and football teams in action at the same time and yeah. everything else. So, like, th- this is an opportunity to to show the positives of the game. Yeah, no, definitely, and I think that's a credit to AIB for choosing Camogie um, over maybe hurling or um, another sport. So, yeah, credit to them for choosing Camogie. How finally balanced do you expect the final to be? Um, yeah, it's going to be a huge, a huge game. Um, St. Vincent's, they're a very experienced team and they're definitely going to to bring a strong battle on the day. It's mm. going to be a close game and um, I'd say it'll be down to the wire. But in a way, the pressure is on them. Yeah, look, uh, we just need to focus on ourselves now. If we went in... We're going in as underdogs, but if we went in as favourites, we'd, we'd be focusing on ourselves the same. So um, we'll let ev- let everyone else have their views and we'll just stick to our game plan and hopefully we'll get over the line. Listen, may you get the result you deserve based on the performance. Aoife, thanks so much for being with us and good luck at the weekend. Thanks a million for having me. That's great. Aoife Prendergast with us there from uh, Dixborough and the Kilkenny captain uh, in advance of the AIB Leinster Club Camogie final this weekend and the body cams, which would be a brilliant initiative in sport, I think, if we could see the reality of... uh, I think we need more microphones. We need to be able to listen to what's going on uh, on the field of play. I suppose we'd probably need a solicitor to go through it um, before we do. So... um,
we wish all of them well. Uh, just a reminder as well, if you would like to head along to the uh, women's, the Sports Direct Women's FAI Cup final between Shelburne and Atlone Town this weekend, the game in Tallis Stadium, three o'clock kickoff on Sunday. It's live on the TV, it's live on the radio, but we want you to be there. So we have a pair of tickets to give away and to be with a chance to win, just answer this question. Which team are the current holders of the women's FAI Cup final? I'll give you a clue. It's either Shelburne or Atlone. It's a repeat of last year's final. So one of those two. Listen, if you haven't got a clue, just guess one of them. Pick one of them randomly. Text your name, your county and your email address to 51552 and we would love you to have a day out on Ulsatala Stadium this coming Sunday afternoon. We're going to be chatting about a new initiative to get Ireland active with a very, very inspirational figure after the break. Stay with us. You're very welcome back to the programme. Uh, Sport Ireland recently launched their Get Ireland Active campaign at Sports Ireland's National Digital Database, which is the definitive resource for information, advice, directions and tips for people of all ages and abilities anywhere in the country to get active and take full advantage of the amenities around them. It's the first project of its kind in Ireland and it gives anyone who wants to be active the resources they need to maybe begin to improve uh, or to supercharge their activity journey and uh, the Get Active Ireland resource can be found at getirelandactive.ie and delighted to say an ambassador for Get Ireland Active, Jack Kavanagh, uh, joins us. Jack, evening to you. Lovely to be here with you this evening, Damon. How are you? Great to chat to you. I've loads I want to pick your brain about, but we'll get stuck into Get Ireland Active. And we, we look at a situation in society where we've so many issues around health and um, everything that goes with it, that this is such a brilliant resource that at the click of your finger, you can log on and basically see something that could be in your locality that you'd no idea was there that can get you out, get active and clear the head for whatever space of time. Yeah, well, you've said it so so well yourself. You know, there's so many uh, reasons from, from chronic health conditions and, and, and emotional and, and men- mental health uh, and well-being. There's so many reasons why getting out and active is so important and you know what's brilliant about this resource is, is that maybe it, it gives you an entry point that, um, to see what's in your area or if you're traveling to a different part of the country to see what's going on there and what's available to you and and very often there's so many things happening in our local areas that we don't know about um, and this is a great way to engage and and you know there's an awful lot of focus on on sport and and we talk in the media an awful lot about high-level or elite sports. And um, there's maybe a gap between what we see on the screens and, and what happens in our day-to-day lives. And, and I think uh, any means of getting out, getting active, getting moving, regardless of, of what age you are, regardless of your um, ability or, or disability and so on, um, it's important for us all. And the amazing thing from my perspective as a wheelchair user with this new database is that when you go on um, you you find an interactive map with different filters and so on and what I love about it is I can go on I love to cycle and use the greenways for example and I can filter for accessibility features and find out you know um, is there accessible parking or a bathroom that I can access on the route and things like that and this is very much the beginning of the database it will improve over time, but already you've got over 6,000 clubs registered, we've got uh, 4,000 activity locations and and over 1,000 running and biking trails. So there's loads to to get stuck into. Um, 
uh, places to try out and, and new ways to get out and moving, you know. And the thing that struck me about it was in a, a cost-of-living crisis and in a time when people perhaps are penny-pinching and quite understandably looking at where their hard-earned money goes, that's so... Like, I, even, mm. I, I was looking at my locality. So much stuff in the area that it's just drop in, try this out. If you like it, stick with it. If you don't, you can do something else. And there is so many free resources available at our disposal that we can reap the benefits of, perhaps without even realising they were there in the first place. And that's just it. And, you know, often the, the cheapest things in life... Uh, are, are the or, or the, the things that don't really cost any money are the things that bring us the most fulfillment um, and a lot of the the activities or, or locations that you can go to do activities um, are, are very low cost if not free and the beauty of it, it is, uh, as well is there's all these secondary benefits that we forget about um, uh, which come with uh, trying new activities and you've got things like uh, meeting new people and so there's that removal or reduction of social isolation and, uh, and the building of community and friendships and these kinds of things are really, really important for our overall well-being mm. and we know, um, we know that th- those sort of regular um, sort of interactions that we have uh, with people, they bring about sort of low-level positive emotions. And, and in psychology, that creates an upward spiral that they call broaden and build. And so it opens your mind a little bit more and you might be willing to try something else and you get the support of a community, which is sort of resilience building and all these kind of secondary benefits that come as a byproduct of trying something new or getting engaged with a community or a new activity. And even if, it's if you're just going out and walking uh, a new route with your dog, Mm-hmm. Um, there's the passing interactions and, and these kinds of things that, that happen as well. So um, so many reasons to, to, to get on and, and, and have a look at what's happening around you. Yeah, you mentioned you're a wheelchair user and, and some people might be familiar with your podcast, Only Human. You have a phenomenal TED Talk. I, I actually, I watched it last night and I watched it again today and like it's, I think, 12 or 13 minutes and it's really, really thought-provoking. Um you know, people might have seen you with, with Tommy Tiernan. Um, you suffered a, a spinal cord injury back in 2012. Um, I've had so many discussions like this on programmes where we talk about trying to retain young girls in sport and men of a certain age. And I, I was thinking a lot over the last 24, 48 hours about have we done enough previously to maintain participation levels for people with disabilities? And, and that for me, you know, you touched upon it. That's a fairly groundbreaking aspect of, of this project as well. Yeah, look, um, I was always active before I had uh, the spinal injury. I I was involved in all kinds of sports as a kid, but as a teenager, it was a lot of running. I played a lot of rugby, um, and, and I really found my space uh, then and my real passion with water sports and, and adventure-type sports. Um, and then when I had my injury, you know, so much of that got taken away, and probably what I didn't realise and and we wouldn't have used this language on a 10, 15 years ago when I was a teenager, is that all of those pursuits that I was doing and those types of activity were really healthy adoption strategies and ways of managing my, my stresses and and they they helped me to regulate my mental and emotional well-being as much as my, my own physical health. And when I had the spinal injury and, and uh, my way of interacting with the world changed. 
for the first couple of years, a lot of those things got taken away at possibly the most uh, stressful period of my life when I really needed them. And um, and finding a way back into those sports was, uh, or, or into new types of sports um, and getting back out into the environments I care about was very much a trial and error um, uh, experience for me. Um, but there's more and more happening um, for people with different disabilities uh, around the place. And the one thing that we know is that um, at, at any given point in time, between one in five and one in seven of us have some form of disability, whether it's visible or invisible. Um, as the health and, and lifespan uh, increases, uh, sorry, as the lifespan increases um, in Western countries, we would hope that our health span increases as well. But as we all live longer, we're all going to acquire different kinds of impairment and disability over time. And so having to think about the types of activities that, that are accessible as your function might change over time is really important. And like Parasports Ireland do an amazing job. Um, there is also an organisation called Active Disability Ireland and their main remit is educating and upskilling and training um, activity providers, uh, whether it is a gym or a sports club or an outdoor activity club or whatever it is, and educating them in terms of how to adapt uh, their existing activity base so that it's more inclusive to people um, of diverse um, physical forms or uh, neurodiversity or whatever it might be. Um, and so your point is really well made in that the retention of people who have acquired um, disabilities is, is one, one piece, but there's a whole other side where people are, are born um, with different kinds of disabilities and, um, and engaging with those people from an early age and um, giving them access to the, you know, the, the health benefits and the quality of life benefits of being active um, just in the way that others get access to those things at a young age um, is really important. And in order to do that, we need to think about those people from the grassroots up. We need to take universal design approaches when we're, we're building facilities so that they're welcoming for everybody. Um, and these are the kinds of changes that we're, we're, we are seeing. And um, I, I would always say the best time to have a spinal injury is tomorrow. The best time, um, uh, and it will always be that way. Um, and the reason for that is, look, things are always progressing. Um, and, and lots of progress um, has been made over the last few years since I acquired my injury. And I can see that playing out. Bit by bit. Yeah, and I, I was reading a book last week. Mickey Coleman, the former Tyrone footballer, had a, a cardiac issue, and he's written a book about his like it's the widowmaker heart attack, and he's written a book about his oh, well, yeah. his recovery. And, and it, it opens with the Confucius quote about we have two lives, and the second begins when we realise we only have one. And for yeah. you, how how important is the power of mindset? And you you can. Um, I'm, I'm even trying to be delicate with how I phrase this. You can look at yourself as a victim or you can look at yourself as a survivor and you can see a challenge or you can see something that presents a different opportunity. And, and mindset is at the, the core of a lot of this about, you know, opportunities are there if you have the right belief and the right outlook on life. Yeah, well, look, you, you've used a few words that I would pick up on there. and um, yeah, One of them is, is 
challenge. Um, and when we choose to see the things that happen in our lives, whether they be curveballs or whatever that come our way in any part of our life, when we take a challenge approach, uh, the evidence is that a challenge-based mindset, um, it brings out more of our internal resources. Um, uh, and it also uh, allows us to tap into our external resources, be it community or whatever it is. Um, and, and so that's a really important distinction between seeing something as, for example, a problem or an obstacle versus a challenge, um, because because challenges are there to be taken on, you know. And and so that's one distinction. But I, another word you used is the word victim, and and you know. In the early days after after I sustained my injury, you know, I spent 49 days on a ventilator. Um, my diagnosis was, was quadriplegic. Um, I have about 15% muscle function. Um, my shoulders, biceps and wrists, no finger function or movement below my armpits. And, and I really had to adapt every part of my life um, as a result. And there is a period of time where I definitely ask the question, why me? And I think that's a very natural response. Um, and, and I think many of us find ourselves asking, why me, why us, why now, depending on the scenario. And that's important starting place because like, tough things happen in our lives. And it, that, as a starting point, allows you to sort of face the tough realities of a situation. Um, but ultimately... It doesn't bring you anywhere and it leaves you, as you said, maybe as a victim or feeling like a victim of a scenario. And after a certain point, I realized that maybe the alternate question is just as valid and started entertaining, well, why not me? And that is where you realize that there's choice and you do have choice and they may not be choices you love, but but they are choices and um, you brought up that, that brilliant quote uh, about, um, you know, we have two lives and when we realise we only have have one, the second second life begins. And um, there's there's other quote that, that I think is amazing and, and it comes from Viktor Frankl and he says, between stimulus and response, there's a space and in that space is our freedom to choose our response and in our response lies um, our growth. And Recognizing that you have a choice, um, that you can adopt a different approach, ask a different question, or take on a slightly different mental framework or, or mindset. And these things over time really dictate the outcomes that we have. And it's not something that you adopt once. Um, it's something that you come back to again and again and again in the small moments, whether you say, yes, I can, or no, I can't, or or I'm willing to try again when I get something wrong. And I think that's a huge thing, giving yourself the permission to try again, uh, remembering you're a human being and you don't get it right all the time, and maybe you need to take uh, another stab at it tomorrow, maybe in a slightly different way. Uh, and so, yes, the mindset piece is huge, and, and it's recognizing that, um, that every day, you do get a new chance um, to maybe shift that up a little bit. Can, can I ask you, you, you do motivational speaking and I know you, you talk to organisations about culture and speak to young people as well. And th- how much how much positivity is there in how... Like, I, I can never remember a situation where um, 
I would have interacted with somebody with an acquired disability as a very young child, whereas now there are more schemes in place. There's, you know, um, um, outreach programs, you know, and again, I don't even know if normalise is the right word to use, but like kids at a young age, they don't see difference. They don't see disabilities. They just see a, another person who has, a, you know, yeah. who is maybe wired differently than they are or just, you know, the optics are slightly different. Like, are, do we have a long journey to go around how we talk about disability or how we view disability or are we making fairly seismic steps in the right direction? Well, I think you're you're right on, on a number of fronts there. Like, uh, as, a, as a young And feel free person, to tell me on the ones I'm wrong about as well because they're the areas that need to be improved upon. Yeah, well, as a young person, look, I... Uh, I was really fortunate. There was uh, one of my classmates was a wheelchair user as, in primary school. As a as a teenager, um, we we worked with people with intellectual disabilities in school, and the reality is, I think more and more and more, um, we are recognising that disability is a part of life, and um, like I said, between one in five and one in seven people. Um, uh, have a disability at any one time and the reality is that it could be any of us tomorrow um, uh, given change of life circumstances and so it is a part of life um, what what I think is fascinating now is is that the conversation has shifted you know in times gone by um, uh, we didn't see people out and about and engaged in in the community and, and in life as much as we do now. And this is really important because, like I said, it could be any one of us. It could be a family member, a friend, um, whoever it is in your life that, whether it's a neurodiversity or, like, I grew up with dyslexia um, um, and and then acquired a spinal injury, but it could be any kind of thing that that is an impairment or, or a different way of interacting with the world or, or whatever it is. And... The more that we have these conversations, um, uh, the more we break down barriers. One of the things I think is really important, Damien, is um, back in 2020, we had the the Women's 2020 uh, strategy, which was, uh, the the tagline was, if you can't see it, you can't be it. Um, And um, I think the same is true for persons with disabilities, you know. Um, we, We see the Paralympics, for example, and very often, that is the uh, the first real exposure people have to um, what people with disabilities are capable of. But that's just like one realm. Like we have incredible uh, uh, people in the creative fields. We have amazing entrepreneurs, um, and and in every other part of life. Um, there's people with disabilities that, that have wonderful careers that are doing really important things in the world. Yes, they might need slightly different uh, approach to how they do the, those things, but they're out there and engaging. Mm. And the more that we see um, these people um, in the media, the more we see them in our in our papers and hear them on the radio and podcasts and see them on on TV. And the stories of their lives and the things that they do are told the more this is normalized and, and, um, you know, I would always, uh, suggest like an approach of, of curiosity over fear or judgment, you know, um, and, and very often, um, uh, getting curious about 
about people that are maybe a little bit different than, than you um, is important because you realize very often they're human beings and you have a lot more in common than you have that's different, you know? Jack, I'm going to have to leave it there. The, the clock is going to beat us, but we might revisit it at some stage. Thanks so much for being with us. And a reminder as well, getirelandactive.ie is the website. Thanks so much for your time and we'll look forward to chatting to you again. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's Jack Havana with us there. And uh, yeah, as mentioned, getirelandactive.ie uh, is the website to access all of those resources. Time to finish the programme uh, by going to the States. Game on. I on America. Shep is with us. How you doing, Shep? How are you? Uh, I'm great, Damien. That was a really interesting conversation well, to listen to. The problem is I've now run miles over on time, so um, my apologies to you in advance, but that's the problem. It's a challenge sure. It's a challenge you have to endure time and time again. But I tell you, we'll get straight down to business. And uh, one of the big names in the NBA, Golden State Warriors forward, Draymond Green, in a, a considerable spot of honor. Yeah, he... Um well, just think about this. I mean, if you put somebody at work in a headlock, which I'm sure, you know, you wanted to do from time to time, you'd probably suffer some repercussions, right? Well, um, he did that just thing yesterday and uh, or a couple of nights ago. He's now been suspended um, for five games. You know, he, he seems to consistently find a way to get into trouble, um, you know, stepping on players, punching teammates. Um, and, and Joe Dumars, um, who was no angel in his day when he played for the Detroit Pistons, you know, basically said, yeah, you know, Draymond Green's past history has led to this. But uh, he put Rudy, Go- Rudy Gobert uh, in- into a headlock early on in the game, uh, in their last game. And so now he's going to be missing the next five games. But just, you know, a guy who can't avoid trouble for yeah. some reason. And is, is there a pressure on the NBA to clamp down on incidents like this? Because they're not all that common. Correct, yes. And look, you know, 40 years ago, the NBA had a problem with violence and fighting, you know, um, during games. And then they realized, well, you know, people don't want to spend money to watch guys box that aren't boxers. You know, they, they're paying for basketball. They want to see guys play basketball. You know, you can't rule this out completely. I mean, it's, you know, it's human instinct to react sometimes. But, yes, I mean, they came down pretty swiftly on this one. Um, the, you know, the, a bunch of players were ejected from this game immediately. Um, so, yeah, they, they, they cannot stand when the things like this happen. Um, to move on, a couple of big um, NFL stories. Um, Aaron Rodgers, this is going to be yeah. the most phenomenal recovery of all recoveries for a guy of his age and the, the scale of the injury he suffered all not that long ago. Yeah, so, you know, he injured his Achilles. And, and, and I've, I've kind of started saying instead of, you know, he tore his Achilles, I'm saying his, he injured his Achilles. Because if he tore his Achilles on the first week of the season in, in basically the middle of September and is planning to come back in December, um, you know, I, I'm not going to. I don't want to accuse him of anything, but he has got. He has taken some kind of medicine that is not available to anyone else in the world, um, or he is just elastic man and has been able to come back quicker than anybody else in the history of this game. He's talking about potentially coming back in mid-December. Um, Damien, this would be a shocking timeline recovery for a, an Achilles injury. I mean, this is typically a full year recovery. I get medicines better. I get people heal quicker these days than they have in years past on certain things. But this is kind of hard hard to but imagine. Shep, you, um, ha- you, have to so question, we'll you have to question the duty of care. And I know this is a multi-billion dollar industry and the investment that went to bring him to the franchise he's with. But uh, you'd, want, you'd kind of hope he's a big enough character to say, no, guys, I'm not ready. 
Well, right. And I think that's what Robert Sala, the head coach of the Jets, is saying, is that Aaron knows his body. And Aaron keeps talking about coming back in December, but, you know, we'll see if he's actually available. I mean, does he do more harm to the team by coming back? These are all questions that they're going to have to monitor. You know, Kobe Bryant famously you know, went to Germany one time to, you know, get some work done on his knee because it was a, a procedure that wasn't going to be allowed in America, and he went and did it, and, and he recovered quicker. And, and it worked for him. But, I, and again, I'm not, I don't, I'm not accusing Aaron Rodgers of anything. I'm just saying from the outside, this has never been done before, Damien, where a guy comes back like three months later from this type of injury. It, it, it would just kind of stretch the imagination at this point. Yeah, um, I want to finish with the Formula One. Um, they've gone to great lengths to try and create a love affair between American motorsport fans and F1. They seem to have tried to do it by completely alienating the most important people involved, and they are the drivers. (laughs) Yes. Um, Max Verstappen this week, not thrilled um, of the pomp and circumstance that's going on with the F1 race in Las Vegas. Um, Max, I, I hate to tell you, buddy, um, if you want pop and circumstance, you need to go somewhere else besides Las Vegas. If you don't want that, you need to go somewhere besides Las Vegas, Damien. I mean, this is what the city is built on. And, you know, you're right. There's this Netflix stock, you know, show that's been out for a couple of seasons now that's really kind of drawn in a bunch of American fans into F1 racing. And and Max Verstappen obviously is fantastic. He's already locked up the season championship. But, I mean, this is what Las Vegas is. You are driving on the strip. I mean, there, there is no way to get around it. You know, I mean, you're going to deal with some pomp and circumstance. And, yes, he says he, he feels like an idiot standing up there watching uh, Kylie Minogue and John Legend dance around. And um, he wasn't too thrilled whatsoever. Okay, well, listen, if he had his paycheck and all the adulation that comes his way, you'd find a way of surviving it, I'd imagine. But, listen, that's, that's what happens right. when the Americans Americanize a sport. Anyway, listen. Hey, hey, hey. You know I mean that with the greatest love and respect. I know, I yeah. do. Good to talk to you, Chef. Thanks for being with us as always. All right, Damien, thanks, Chef, buddy. bringing the programme to a conclusion tonight. Thanks so much for your time. Shane is here tomorrow night. Bet is on the way after 7 o'clock. Laura Lee Davies, our broadcast coordinator tonight. The programme produced by Andrew O'Connor. From Damien O'Mara, until we chat again, good night.